0: You're listening to Seahawks Stories, taking you behind the scenes with your
1: favorite Seahawks. Setbacks behind Zorn, who's back to pass. Has time, looks for the left sideline, throws a bomb down there. He's got a man in front. He makes the grab. It's Rabel at the 30, down to the 20. They'll never get him. He scores. Touchdown, Seahawks.
0: Powered by Seahawks.com.
1: And Zorn laid it in perfectly to Rabel, who goes in to score on an 80-yard pass and run play. Now, here's your host, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel and
0: Seahawks legend, Jim Zorn.
1: Hey, everybody. Let me tell you, it was a perfect pass because that's the only way I would have caught it had it not <laughs> been a perfect throw from Z-Man. Um, this is a real treat that Jim and I are going to be able to do this now on a semi-regular basis, and that is this podcast talking about kind of Seahawks legends and about the old days and Heaven knows, Jim. We're we're definitely of age. Where everything now was the old days.
0: Yeah, uh, we were asked to even uh, remind everyone who we are. <laughs> so it has it has been a while. I haven't heard Pete Gross's voice oh. in so long, yeah. and he just did a great job. He got excited, and I think he trained you. Although you're you're not needing any training any longer, but. Uh, describe your relationship with him a bit.
1: Oh, my. Well, he, you know, he was my mentor in, in this field. Uh, I had others who helped me along the way when it came to radio, I mean, when it came to television, and especially news. Right. But but Pete was so special. And I remember when we played and Pete would come in and want to talk to us, and he was just so genuine and so honest. And Kenny Easley said this years later about Pete. He said Pete was the only guy who would walk up to him either after practice or after a game, and instead of sticking the microphone in his face and just asking a question, he'd always say, Kenny, do you mind? Can I ask you a couple of questions? Every single time. And that's the way Pete did it. And so I hope maybe we all learned a little something from Pete. Yeah,
0: he was uh, he was a tremendous human being, a tremendous person, and a great voice. Yep. Always got excited. Everybody loved hearing what he, what he was going to say and how he was going to call the game.
1: Well, and, and his enthusiasm obviously has carried over to me as I listened to that play. And listen, when when you don't have a lot of highlights, you remember all of them. And so I I really remember that one.
0: So uh, do you remember what game that was? That was Minnesota. That was Minnesota Vikings. Our rookie
1: season, 1976, yeah. uh, back in Minneapolis yeah. at the old Met Stadium, outdoors with painted dirt instead of green grass because it was late That's in the what year. That's was crazy for yeah. me. And it was frozen. It was hard as a rock.
0: I remember going back in and... Uh, I had a file, and I filed my <laughs> round cleats <laughs> Did to you really? to kind of like uh, uh, slits, so I could dig into the frozen ground. And remember, uh, both teams were on the same sideline. Yeah, that yeah. game. Yeah, I'll, uh, I remember that throw, uh, and I also remember throwing a touchdown pass going the other way to I think it was Steve. I'm not sure exactly sure who it was, but we were in the red zone, and I threw it. And I'm watching the play. And all of a sudden, this arm comes right through my face mask and just uh, hits me right square in the nose. Uh, and it was Carl—no, it wasn't—it it was Alan Page. Alan Page. And it was late, and I was going, I'm looking around for Mr. Official, and they're watching, you know, they're saying touchdown. Right. And uh, he got away with it, and
1: was no penalty. In those days, I mean, oh. we'll—and we'll, as, as and we're going to do this, folks, for— more than just today. We, we hope to make this a um, somewhat regular event, although you folks will decide because if you don't listen, uh, then we don't have a job. So I'm, I'm imploring you, we're begging you, please, please listen and, and give, your, uh, give your feedback. Um, everything was different in those days. And, and that's not to say it was certainly any better. But uh, let's start with the fact that you could get away with virtually anything in those days that you can't get away with now, hitting the quarterback being the number one thing. You, you, I'm sure, took shots as a QB then that today would get guys even thrown out of the game, let alone get a 15-yard penalty. So some of the changes there. And the other thing I wanted to – before I forgot, and, and obviously at our advanced age, Jim, we, we tend to forget – that Minnesota Viking team we played that day, I believe in 1976, did they not go to the Super Bowl that year? Uh, and we almost beat them, it, or they were in the Super Bowl the year before. Yeah, it was Something the Raiders, like
0: right? Uh, was it the Raiders? I think it was the Raiders that they had played uh, in the Super Bowl, or maybe even, i can't even remember now. Yeah. They were so a good team, Somebody huh? has to—
1: Fran Tarkington, yep. Hall of Famer, the, yep. the Purple People Eaters, the, maybe one of the best front fours defensively ever in football. Jack coached them. Yep. Jack Patera, our head coach, coached him when he was at Minnesota. Uh, he also coached, uh, for many people, the Fearsome Foursome in L.A., another great front yep. four. So Jack obviously came with credentials as a, a defensive uh, they were, line they coach. They were
0: very, very good teams. Uh, Jeff Seaman was our middle linebacker. And uh, he played for many years. I have a lot yep. of respect for him uh, and, you know, stayed up in Seattle. Remember uh, Lertzema Bob Lertzema? Oh, my gosh. Lurtzy. and I still was, talk
1: to Lertz every so often.
0: He was one of the funniest guys oh my gosh. in football. Yeah. And uh, made a career out of it. You as, know,
1: what was funny about Lertz is when he – Lertz played for Minnesota with the gang there, the Purple People leaders, Carl the, Eller, Alan Page. Um, guys. I cannot remember. Those I, are the two Those are the two uh, that are main the big guys. ones, yeah. Um, I know there's a couple that I'm missing. Uh, gosh oh well, fans will remind us but uh, Lertz was like the number five guy. He was the rotation guy in. We got him in a trade yeah so we got him from Minnesota because uh, uh, Jack knew him
0: and that was his nickname bench warmer Bob. Exactly. And
1: he <laughs> ended up what he ran a bank and he had a car dealership oh. and he had a newspaper right. and all that kind of stuff Vikings Vikings report or whatever uh, and and he but he knew Jack. And he knew Jack in a way that we didn't as young players. And so I, I was always envious because he c- could stand over there and talk to Jack and they'd be laughing. And yet Jack would stand there stern with the rest of us and, and kind of look at us and, all right, player, it's your turn next. You know, get up there, go hit somebody. <laughs> that's, that's and then right. he'd go back and talk to Lertz and start laughing again. And I, it took us a while before we were that's veterans right. that we could kind of make that step. Oh, that next step. And I think Jack
0: wanted us to take those steps, but everybody was an, a bit intimidated by yeah. him. Can you imagine? They had ten coaches on the field when we first started. Yeah, the Seahawks was it staff, that many? Yeah, it was ten. Ten coaches. Uh, Jerry Rome was right. our court, he was the quarterback coach, the wide receiver coach, the tight end coach. And I think, and he called the play, so he right. had some coordinator responsibility. Yeah, and uh, wow, you know that was that's a lot of uh, those are a lot of responsibilities in mm-hmm. today today's game, uh, just doesn't happen.
1: No, it, we, uh, Andy McDonald was <laughs> our running backs coach and special teams coach,
0: and Howard Mudd yeah, was our O line oh, coach. Yeah, and what a you know uh, the whole they they kind of liked each other as as I remember that staff liked to yeah. be together and they liked to. Uh, pl- playing things can you imagine today that uh, a team that would not have water on the football field out in Cheney Washington when it's over 100 100 degrees and Jack because of his experience in Minnesota hey what was ever good for Minnesota is right. going to be good for us right no water yeah did you ever I, have any uh, falling out because you didn't have water? You know,
1: maybe the first couple of days, uh, and and I remember we got a guy in the expansion draft. Mostly, as I remember, it was some of the older veterans who had been other places, and they were the ones that seemed to have the most trouble with it. A, a fullback named Bill Olds. Remember Billy Olds? I, know, I remember from Bill Olds. Uh, from Baltimore. Fullback, yeah. From the Colts. And I just remember we were running gassers after practice, and it was a hard practice, and it was hot, and we were in full gear. And I just remember I had made it over to the side and turned to get ready to run the next gasser, and here comes Billy staggering toward me. And, you know, you feel like there's a guy that's about ready to drop dead in front of you, and he literally fell forward almost into my arms, and his legs just curled up behind him, and he was cramping up so badly. And I don't think Billy was with us a whole lot longer after that, <laughs> no. probably because he decided, mm-hmm. you know what, this is not the place for me. Uh, this is, in fact, a good place for us to just remind everybody: Jim Zorn from 1976 through 1984. I got
0: I got released in eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah. Here with the Seahawks, yeah.
1: and you finished your career in Green Bay.
0: I I finished that year yes. in Green Bay in 1985. Yeah. And that's when the Chicago Bears, who is the Green Bay Packers' rival, right? uh, That's when they went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl championship. Great defense, so you had to
1: look at those guys Uh, across the line twice across the line from you.
0: Yeah, and I still I'm haunted because (laughs) I still feel like we should have beat them. Uh, And I I got to play in both those games uh, during the during the season. Uh, We can talk about that uh, another time. (laughs) As as we have, I can still I can still picture some throws, but. can you imagine in training camp, I uh, we had a, a linebacker early in 76, Mike Curtis, oh. Baltimore Colts. Face. That face. was his nickname, <laughs> Face. Because <laughs> he had that chiseled, he looked it, like it, an actor. Well, right? and he
1: also, first thing in the morning, looked terrible. I mean, his, his all, all the wrinkles and everything, His all gnarly looking face.
0: I'll never forget between the first and second practice he called the NFLPA office Did he really? Yeah to see if we that. had to practice. Yeah to see if it was legal for us as a team to go out and practice in 105 degree weather in Cheney, Washington. I didn't know that. Oh we were all huddled up and uh, you know he was on the phone and we were right it was down in the training room and he had made that call but they said oh yeah no you have to go out and practice and uh, you know with no water Uh, 105 degrees. We we got
1: through it. You know, it it it, at the time, and maybe it's just because you know I wanted to make the team. I wanted to do well, like all of us did. And I sort of, you know, just said, okay, it makes sense, whether it made sense or not. But Jack was really very strong on the point. He said, listen, we're only out there for about less than 90 minutes in the morning in shoulder pads and helmets. In the afternoon, yes, full gear, two hours. We're going to hit, but it's not like we're out here for three hours or something. So hydrate and then let's get out on the field and his big thing was I don't want to stop practice I don't want to break up our our momentum in practice right,
0: right. and today uh, <laughs> there would be issues with that uh, of as far as not having water water on the field we ate a lot of uh, salt salt tabs yeah. and
1: remember <laughs> which was even worse oh
0: for us uh, but we learned how to prehydrate yeah and not many guys fell out there were not many IVs going on. Uh, I remember Sam McCollum having to do an IV a couple times here or there when he was even when he was coming back from a game. He lost a lot of Miami water weight, yeah, in Miami that. against the Dolphins on yeah. that
1: old awful turf. Yeah, and we came back and and I remember we went into the locker room after the game and it, it was a close game as I remember. And we were we ran our blue formation was three wide receivers except you know I was always in the slot uh, and Steve was on one side and Sam on the other. And um, we were trying to get back in that game, and we just ran like it seemed like the whole second half that we were in that and just running up and down the field. We ended up losing the game, and I remember we were back in the locker room, and the receivers kind of have their lockers over here. Uh, at this point, then there's the rest of the offense and the defense is on the other side of the room. And I remember looking at Sam. This was at the old Orange Bowl. Right. And I looked at Sam. He was sitting on – there was a kind of a bench in front of the lockers. And he was sitting there and he was just sort of looking at me and I thought, what the heck are you looking at? And his eyes started to roll back in his head Mm -hmm. and he just started to fall off the bench. And um, we grabbed him and we picked him up and carried him into the training room. And um, they immediately gave him an IV. And he started to feel, you know, better pretty quickly. But that whole trip back and as you were if you remember it was such a long trip from Miami to Seattle in those days we had to stop for fuel like in north dakota or <laughs> it, something yeah. we put down and we go back up again and but he was laying across three of the seats in the and coach he had an, an iv hanging from the right. luggage compartment he had an iv yeah. Um, I do remember that. Yeah, it, you know some of the some of the things that you go through when you're a when you're a player in those days. It yeah. was just it was just so different.
0: And the locker rooms were completely different. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, coming in and uh, coming in at ha- at a halftime, going to my locker, kind of uh, doing whatever I do, and I'm looking or in the corner, and there's Jack Patera with Bob Newton, they are both smoking a cigarette, (laughs) talking about, hey, you know, how'd you like the first half, you know?
1: I don't know what they were talking about, but here they are, hey, you got a light? Sure, I got a light. In the locker room. I remember Carl Eller going into the restroom back there and smoking a cigarette (laughs) uh, at halftime. And, well, Mm. there's there's a picture of uh, Lenny Dawson on the field between series with a dart in his hand, you know? (laughs) And... But again, it was just a whole a <laughs> whole different game. Uh, I think
0: what changed uh, our game or how we created a competitive team early for the Hawks was uh, when Howard Mudd and Annie McDonald developed the sprint draw series mm. uh, because I could throw on the run either way and I could hand off to Sherman and utilize all kinds of yeah. uh, new concept. With that, with that one series, because I could set up uh, off tackle uh, on a play action, I could, I could keep it, I could give it to Sherman, or I could set up and throw back. There were all, there was all kinds of uh, flexibility with that, and people did not handle it
1: right. I, I I remember distinctly that that our offense was built around that, and it was, you know, when you have, you know, you kind of a patchwork offensive line that you're trying to build, so you have veterans like Bob Newton and. And Artie Kuhn in the middle, and, and then you have some younger guys. Well, Norm Evans, an old veteran from the Miami yeah. Dolphins days. Uh, and then you're trying Nick to sprinkle in. On Nick the left. Oh, what a great player. Yeah. Uh, I digress, and I'll, uh, but sprint draw, yes, was, was important. Bebout, just recently, we had a big Zoom call. You were supposed to be there, you couldn't be there. But we had like 15 of us on Zoom, and it was the day after the draft, this last spring. And the idea was, let's all get on there and talk about our draft day stories. Well, it was about as much fun. And, you know, we're all these old gray-haired guys now. But, you know, when you see this, you know, think about it, folks, when you're on your computer and you have 8, 10, 12 people on the screen at the same time in a Zoom interview, and, and that's the way this was. And the stories were just hysterical. Um, Fred Hoagland. Was our center that first year, remember Fred? Great coach in this perfect
0: short snapper. I held all my career. I held for every kicker that came around. It didn't matter where I was. I wanted to be the holder because I didn't I trusted myself, I guess, and I had a lot of confidence I was going to get the ball down. Fred Hoagland said, Where are you going to put your hands? And I said, Okay, right here. And he he was such a great snapper. He could have the laces in front. Uh, every single time, really? and he had this great s- spin on the ball. Uh, yeah, and he was he was an awesome center and, and became a longtime coach a long in the National Football League. Yeah, he, and, and,
1: and, um, and he and was on the call? Uh, he was on the call. He's in his, eight, I think he's early 80s now. I mean, a lot of these guys, yeah. remember that we played oh, yeah. with, they were already in their mid to late 30s yeah. when you and I were in our early 20s as rookies. Uh, but Fred was telling his draft day story. Today, I mean, people just don't get it, how, you know, the draft is like the biggest thing short of the World Series. It's the second biggest sporting event. The draft is behind the Super Bowl, for crying out loud. So back in our day, you know, you just got a phone call and they told you, okay, you're going to go to so-and-so. And And you say, okay, great. And you hung up the phone and then you went about your business. Hoagland, I think he said something to the effect. He thought he was going to go in one of the early rounds and he didn't. And so he took off, went fishing. From his dorm room in wherever he went to school, he was gone for three days. He came back, and his his roommate left him a note. Oh, by the way, the Cleveland Browns called. Right. They drafted you. You might yeah. want to give them a call back. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's, that's how un- unimpressive the draft was in those days.
0: You were a second round draft choice. I was
1: a bon- I always like to say this because it's it's. I, it's a diss on real second round draft choices, but I was a bonus pick in the second round. Sherman and I were at the end of the second round, and yeah. both Seattle and Tampa Bay, the two expansion teams, had two bonus picks in the second round. And so Sherman was one, obviously a huge well, success. But and then there was me, and then uh, but well, you know, think we about hung this. on for six think about years. This. Okay, let's
0: talk about Sherman. He was at uh, Miami of Ohio. Yep, and he was a quarterback. Option quarterback. Left-handed. Yes. (laughs) And he was drafted as a wide receiver in the second round, and he was our starting running back. Yes. We projected a lot of things. Uh, Steve Rabel, second pick in the second round, second Seahawk pick. Bonus. You're such a bonus guy. (laughs) (laughs) You were at Georgia Tech, but as I remember you telling me, and this is this is public knowledge, you were a tight end.
1: Tight end for the last two years in the wishbone.
0: In the wishbone. And you were drafted as a wide receiver. Right. Uh, We did that often where we early in in the tenure of the Seahawks would draft and project, hey, this guy uh, wasn't uh, uh, Piggy, uh, Peter, Peter Cronin, <laughs> linebacker. Peter right. Cronin, Boston College. Wasn't he a nose guard? Yes, uh, at Boston College, and yeah. then he was I think projected so, yeah. as a linebacker. So we did this, yeah. trying to think, hey, we're gonna you know, cash in on right.
1: It. And and you know, uh, when I came out of school at six two, almost two hundred pounds, four three five forty. You know, so I ran track and, and played yeah. football. So that was that projection that that okay, he can be um, an effective outside receiver, even though I really had never run routes. I was never really coached to run routes, uh, and I'm not using this as an excuse, but as you mentioned, Jerry Rome was, um, you know, play caller, quarterback coach, receivers coach, tight ends coach. So when it came time for independ- or individual drills, he was with you guys and Steve and Sam and myself and whoever was the fourth wide receiver, and that person varied over the years that we were all together. Um, then we just go off someplace and we just, you know, we just throw the ball and kind of practice a little <laughs> yeah. bit of routes. Uh, you know, I, 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 sometimes I beat up on myself for not maybe working harder sometimes to be a better receiver. Mm. But then I also think, you know what, I didn't know what some of those things were. What Steve did, I tried to emulate and I couldn't. Yeah. Physically, I couldn't do what he did. You because used he was your so, speed. Yes.
0: You used your speed really well. Uh, as I remember, but you were a speed break sort of guy and Steve was a route runner absolutely type of yeah. a player where he could he he could and you know he's got really short legs. Yeah. He's got short legs. So his center of gravity yeah. was way down there. Yeah. And he could run at his four six speed right. right up to a guy with that speed. Yeah. Sink and then get out of a break. Right. Uh, right. whereas you had you had some serious speed and you had but to speed had, break them. And I
1: had to chop it down to yeah. to, to try to make yeah. the break. I, I, you know, I've told this story many times. You you probably remember it. But everybody says, well, you know, Largent, you know, one of the greatest picks by the Seahawks. Well, he wasn't a pick by the Seahawks. We picked him up in a trade with the Houston Oilers. Uh, Bum Phillips said later it's the worst deal <laughs> he ever made because Yoda, obviously. And by the way, I, I fall into that category sometimes. I still call him Yoda every so often. That's sure. his nickname. But Steve, Largent— We should uh,
0: probably at some point tell everybody how we how you got peaches, uh, but then that didn't really stick all that well. But Yoda definitely stuck. D- d-
1: uh, yes, we'll talk Yoda stories too, uh, because we had a a, a a Halloween party and Terry actually came as as Yoda and Steve came as Princess Leia. Yep. But the Yoda mask that Terry wore looked just like Steve's face, honest oh, yeah. to God, with the big nose and all that. So we started calling him Yoda, and so it's it's Yoda to this day. Anyway, Yoda, um, uh, we get him in a trade with with Houston. Uh, Houston was going to cut him, and then they pulled him back right away. You could do that then, pull him back, and the Seahawks offered. What would be offer a seventh or a twelfth? I or think. Well, something I think he like was that. better than that. He was a fourth round pick. Yeah. And I think we got him for a fifth round. Is pick. Is that what it was? Yeah. Well, Jerry coached him at Tulsa, so Jerry knew that oh. this guy was the real yeah. deal. And he kept
0: saying, "Jim, you're just you're going to really like this guy. Right. Wait until you wait until he shows up." I exactly. mean, it was almost like, "Wait a minute." Uh, you coach for the Seahawks. You're not in Tulsa anymore, <laughs> right? You coach for the Seahawks, but he loved Steve, right?
1: Well, and and what's not to love? I mean, yeah. he I think he led the nation in touchdown receptions or something his yeah. senior year. I mean, some incredible thing. This this short, Do slow you remember guy him, out of Tulsa.
0: Do you remember him coming to practice? I I, I was just going
1: to tell that story. Yeah, tell the, it. The very first practice he gets there. Uh, Maybe there may be more to the story than what I remember, but I remember it was like after practice.
0: No, it was it was during practice. And he comes down. We're in. We're in the middle of team drill. Was he on the porch up there? And looking? he was on the porch. And he comes down. Yeah. And uh, Jack or Jerry mm-hmm. said, "Is take a couple laps. Is you're going to go in? You know, you're going to go in."
1: Really? This Did... is right in the middle of practice. Well, I remember when he first got there, before he even came to the field. Oh. oh okay. And I think Gary Wright was standing next to him, or Don oh, okay. Anderson, or somebody. And they that were, might have been the day before. They something. were. They were on the porch, and it was practice had basically ended. And so the receivers, we were just out there throwing the ball around with you guys. And so you had me run, um, let's see, a three. Was a three a slant, a quick slant?
0: That was a uh, three. No, no, a quick slant was two. Oh, okay. Um, we wait a talk, minute. No, see, yeah, so, two was a quick so, out. Okay, two one, was was a, a stop, so one was a stop. One was a hitch. hitch. Three two, was the slant. Yeah. You're, okay. Yeah. You know more. I man. don't
1: remember much of today, but I remember that. Okay. Anyway, you said you just pointed to three. Okay. So I'm thinking about running this great route, you know, and trying to make a little move at the back end of it, and then turn, and then really exploding out of my. As soon as I came out of the break, the ball was already there. It went off my hands, off my helmet, straight up in the air. Yoda is standing on the porch watching all this, and he turned to somebody and said, "Oh, I know I can play here." I know that is that is a I, that's the first time I've heard this. And story. and I I I tell it, and and Steve laughs, laughs and uh, he. He sometimes he sort of says, "Yeah, that sort of happened," or denies it. But I I firmly believe that that's the case, and I also know that he was absolutely right because he sure could, and he sure did. Well, he was
0: doing some contract stuff, and that's why he came out in the middle of that
1: ah, next day or okay. next
0: practice. So he comes in and we're. Do you remember the play seventy six? Yes, okay? absolutely. And it was yep. You're exactly right. So he just showed <laughs> everyone that you run corner routes versus cover two versus a a, a rolled corner and a deep outside safety. But if it was three deep, you run a curl route. Okay, that's 76. And he said, I want you to call 76. And I said, Jerry, this is Steve's first play. You're going to have him read the coverage while he's running his – just call the play, please. (laughs) Just call the play. So I called 76. And sure enough, they they go too deep. Steve runs a, a burst corner. I throw it to him. I hit him right, square in the hands. He drops the ball. I kid you not. First pass I throw wow, to Steve. I didn't remember that. Maybe a couple plays later in practice, uh, he's running a uh, s- uh, seventy-one or whatever. You know, right. a slant yep. and a, and a little arrow route by the tight end. He drops the ball again, and I look over at Jerry, and Jerry looks at me and says. Don't you worry about him <laughs> And then he, uh, he uh, as Steve tells it, he came up to Steve and said don't even you know don't sweat it basically you're gonna you're gonna be fine and you know he didn't drop many balls but he dropped those two balls wow. in that first practice Holy that souls. we practiced yeah but he did run the right route and yeah. he did get open
1: right well it was the same system that he ran at Tulsa yeah. so he knew it yeah and, you know as we said Jerry coached it. And so the rest is history and he goes yeah. on to be a, goes on to be a Hall of Famer. Um,
0: Steve, I've always wanted to know. I I don't really remember what how all this happened, but you ran a out <clears throat> I think it was 72. I threw you the ball and for some reason you got tangled up with the uh, yard markers or something oh, like yeah. that. But as I remember, you also you had a punctured lung.
1: Yeah, a oh, collapsed lung.
0: A collapsed lung. Yeah. On that was it that play? Yeah. So how I don't get how a how a yard marker
1: can can collapse your young short, your lung. Short of taking uh, it and uh, impaling you on it, <laughs> which happily it sounds gross but happily it did not happen. Uh well, it, we were playing was it the was it the Cardinals or the Raiders somebody it was a preseason game. Uh it was my it was my last year. It was 81 our 81 season in okay. preseason. And yeah, just a simple out route. And so I caught the ball, and I don't remember the the one. The I do remember I got blasted in the back as soon as I caught it, and I heard later on from doctors that that in and of itself could have done it. It, It's if there's a little weak spot on your lung that, with a concussion like that, and the you know the that you get from a shot like that. Because you're
0: probably trying to keep your feet in bounds or whatever. Focus on the ball, and then you're getting hit in the back with a helmet. It's a great game, isn't it? Oh, you gotta love it.
1: Um, and, and and so I get, then I get knocked out of bounds. So, you know, we've all been hit. If you play this game, you've been hit like that a thousand times. So I didn't think anything of it. I get knocked out of bounds. Well, the guy holding the marker, instead of dropping it, which was the rule, you dropped it because they're padded and you can roll over it. He kind of put his leg behind it and stood there. And so now I roll into the, the down, down marker. And I kind of, you know, ended up in sort of a U-shape uh, against my back. And I just, I, you know, it hurt for a second, but I popped up. I went back in the game. You called, the next play you called was me clearing out. So yeah. I had to just, you know, haul butt downfield to clear out. It was probably Yoda coming to on a crossing set, right. route or a tight end, okay. you know, coming out to the flat or something. So I had to get out of there and take my guy with me. So I get all the way, I'm, you know, running. I ran 50 yards downfield or something. And by the time I got down there. I'm thinking, holy smokes, am I out of shape or what? I'm having a tough time catching my breath. And I come off to the sidelines. I think I played two more plays. I finally come off the field, and I said to Jimmy Weitzel, our assistant trainer, I said, Weitz, I can't get my breath. That's the first thing he said. Well, you're out of shape. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I've been working my tail off. I'm in great shape. But I said, I can't breathe. And he said, well, tell me what's, what's up. I said, well, it feels like I'm getting stabbed in my back. I said, it feels like I've been, you know, stabbed with a sword or something, and I can't breathe. And he looks at me, and he says, well, that sounds like a collapsed lung. You don't have a collapsed lung. And Mm. it gets worse and worse. And he says, oh, come on, let's run you into the locker room real fast. And they ran me back there, and sure enough, collapsed lung, and it's going down. And now my chest cavity is starting to get blood in it from where the collapse is. So they put me in the ambulance. To take me up to, to the hospital, up to Swedish. And just, just as we're getting ready, I, sorry, I laughed. Just as we're getting ready to leave, one of the trainers comes running down the, the tunnel, waving his arms at the ambulance and said, Don't leave yet. And they wheel Joe Norman into the van. He just tore his knee up and he missed that whole season with a torn up knee, had knee surgery. So here we are. I can't breathe. My lung, my chest cavity is starting to get blood in it. He's sitting there with a torn up knee. He knows he's going to have knee surgery. We're on our way to the hospital. Meantime, the, the, somebody from the Seahawks went up into the stands and found Sharon. And she was mm-hmm. with her stepdad. And he said, listen, Steve's on his way to the hospital. We're not sure what it is, but I just wanted to tell you. So they took off. They left. They left. I remember the wives and and, and girlfriends yeah. sat, yeah. you know, just under the scoreboard. They were yeah. so far well, away, we just pat- so high.
0: Right, and we we parked where everybody else. Oh parked yeah, with, with, the fans. In, with the fans. How are <laughs> you doing today? Right. I'm doing well. <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> we come walking in on Sunday with the fans. You know, just uh, that's that's <laughs> terrific. You know, you park yeah. your little VW bug yeah. and uh, Sam <laughs> Sharon, and I, <laughs> can you get the car <laughs> and pick me up? That's right. So Sharon <laughs> and and. Uh, uh, Larry, her stepdad, go up to the hospital, and they ask people along the way, hey, did a couple of Seahawks come in here? You know, we still had our gear on, you know. Yeah. And so we, they said, yeah, They, I think they went that way. And so they directed them up to the floor. She gets off the elevator. She's walking down the hall just at about the time that the team doctor is injecting between my ribs with painkiller so they could set a chest tube to start, A, draining the blood out. This sounds awful. But, B, it also takes the air out of the out of your lung cavity so your lung can heal naturally and start Mm. to reinflate. Just about that time and she hears me just go (laughs) bananas yell and and you know and basically I scream. And she thought, oh this is not going to be good. But anyway, NASA, our producer is sitting over here laughing. Um, But anyway, and that's the way it was. I was in that place for over a week. They set three different chest tubes to try to get that thing to reinflate. Steve, did I come and see you? No. Yeah. Did you? I don't think you did. I don't don't think you could. We were in training camp. Yeah,
0: you couldn't. And what was really interesting, you're telling me this story. I didn't even think you got hit. I thought you were kind of, you know, a weak. What's this guy? He 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 hits a he hits a yard marker and collapses his <laughs> lung and I remember looking I was so mad at the officials. I remember seeing the yard marker just bent. That's what I was mad at. I didn't know you got hit by somebody else. You know, I thought, "Oh Raves, come on. It's not just, that you know, you know
1: how much people get dumb, whacked. Right? right. How much dumb luck can a person have in oh, one play?" Okay. That a shot that you take to the back, uh, and then the guy holding the sticks, oh. and you end up in the hospital for yeah. a week, and so I went on IR and missed the first six games, and yeah. um, in '81, yeah, in '81, I, I remember the very week we I came back, we played the Giants and got beat thirty to nothing. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> what a welcome home! Oh, and man. Jack had us practicing Monday, full gear. Oh. The next day, oh I'll bet, we practiced and ran about a thousand gassers. Because he thought we weren't in shape. And, oh, man. But... We
0: played the Denver Broncos one year, and you talk about a collapsed lung. I didn't have mm-hmm. a collapsed lung, but I got hit. I I ran to my right, and uh, I got hit by a linebacker, and fell on the ball, and it actually tore my uh, the cartilage of my rib cage. Oh my gosh! And I thought it tore the front of it, so I get car- I I can't play the next play, so. Uh, Did I think Steve Neil, Meyer or, I or think, Sam uh, came in. I think Sam came in at first, so I'm in the locker room, and it's the first quarter. So in the second quarter, I'm in there, and uh, Walt Kringle, remember yes, Doctor Kringle, sure. and I think Jimmy uh, Weitzel. Weitzel was in there, and Walt uh, says, "Okay, you you have some cartilage damage." I'm going to sh- shoot some xylocaine on your rib cage. You can't flinch when I shoot this thing cuz I if I hit your lung
1: exactly it, it'll
0: it'll paralyze your lung and we'll have other problems. I said okay. So he takes the needle and I and I'm just, just cuz I want to get back on the field. Sure. Cuz he's going to numb it yes. cuz it's not going to get any worse. He exactly. said okay. So and this so he shoots me and it doesn't it doesn't
1: work. <coughs> We're turning off a phone, by the way. We're of the generation that forgets to turn our phones off.
0: Thank you very much, Steve. You're welcome for that announcement. <laughs> well, he he shoots me twice. Yeah. Well, I now you know, and it's the wrong place because it's still I can't breathe. I can't breathe. So a- after the second shot, I faint. <laughs> I didn't know that. Of course, I, I was out on the field. I faint because, oh my you know, I mean, it's painful oh my, or whatever. Tell me. So I faint. And as Jimmy Weitzel would tell the story, Walt Kringle faints <laughs> because he thinks I, he hit my lung. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: So here's Jimmy Weitzel, and he's got two guys laid out on these, <laughs> on these benches, right? And he thinks, oh, my oh. gosh, what am I going to do now? So I finally revive, and Walt revives. He had to shoot me two more times. And the cartilage that was making – helping me not – or aiding and not allowing me to breathe was in my back. So he shoots me two more times, and I don't feel any pain at all. So at halftime, everybody comes in. I went out, and I played the whole second half of that football game. Uh, I can't remember – whether we won or lost to be honest with you but the next week oh my. I could hardly oh sure I could hardly breathe you know because once that numbing they're right. not gonna numb me again right uh, well, and think during about, the
1: week think about how hard those lungs had to work at altitude no less so no th- this was in the kingdom oh oh I'm sorry I thought this was yeah I it was no, up, in, up in Denver.
0: No, no this was in the kingdom
1: well um <laughs> anyway oh, man we yeah. all pulled we We're, all pulled through here we all are even after all this now A lot of our guys, uh, Sam, we mentioned Sam Adkins. I mean, he's had now knees and hips, and I think everybody, have you had? I have an ankle
0: replacement in my left ankle because of a game that uh, got my ankle twisted completely around almost uh, against the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. so I've been battling arthritis and kind of weird, uh, you know, Different things going on with my ankle yeah. uh, for all these years. Yeah. Uh, I even played on it the following the following year. But year after year, I've needed uh, to get something done sure. with bone spurs oh, and all yeah. kinds of yeah. I, I, I get the stuff. same
1: thing on my upper spine. Okay. you know from taking shots in the head and using your head, and which is again another great reason for the league kind of saying you know no more. Yeah. Get your head out of the game, and that's the one of the best things. That along with the, the great helmets. Um, that they have today. Um, let, let's let's broaden it out a little, Jim. We could sit here and talk about between injuries and plays and all that stuff. But um, of our time in those early years of the Seahawks, um, what do you remember about the the first couple of years about being here in the city, about what we kind of meant to this community coming in, and what it meant to you to be a part of the Seahawks in the very first team, in 1976, two years right. from now, we're going to celebrate 50 <clears throat> years, my friend, if you and I and knock that on is, wood that is are amazing. still with us.
0: You know, when I first came, I I wanted to make sure it was an NFL team right? because it was <laughs> expansion. Sure. And it was Sandy Gregory mm-hmm. and Gary Wright. Yep. Who w- were the first people you really meet for pictures and talking about what you know, talking about the other things that go on right. that they're trying to develop mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, I was I was uh, Seahawk before Jack Patera was a Seahawk.
1: That's right. You were okay. a free agent out of the Dallas organization. Yes. Yep.
0: And so coming to training camp for the first time, I was I had it in my mind I, I wanted to be the starter, and uh, so in these first in these first games these first couple of years, um, I think Jerry saw that we were going to have to do something a little bit different than other teams as an expansion team, kind of the history of expansion teams. And Howard was uh, tremendous, Andy McDonald. All these guys really worked to try to help us. We had fake field goals. We had surprise onside kicks. We had a couple of fake punts. And Jack knew uh, he had to call these things to give us a, a, a a better chance. So I think uh, the memories that fit in my mind were the confidence that I think we had early in our tenure because of, you know, uh, a tight-knit group. Mm -hmm. We were the first guinea pigs, if you will, for uh, the expansion team in Seattle. But I'll never forget the fans and what it meant to the fans to have a team in Seattle. You know, we were 2-14 our first season. We
1: were two and twelve.
0: I mean, two and twelve. I'm sorry, two and we had fourteen games. We had six yeah. preseason games. Exactly. We were two and twelve, and you would have thought we'd nearly made the playoffs. Yeah, that's the, the the fan base. Uh, I think continues today. Be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we can say, well, they they backed off here and there. They have not backed off at all about supporting mm-hmm. the Seahawks football team and. I was amazed because I, I went to Cal Poly Pomona, where we had the, the band and our parents. <laughs> and to have, to have people uh, just uh, so rabid, if you will, about the Seahawks and what they meant to, this, to the city, to the, to the state, and, and to see other NFL teams. We rarely had other NFL teams coming out here uh, in support, when you got in the kingdom it was all mm-hmm. Seahawk fans. I yeah. think.
1: Yeah, I, I remember after the draft, <clears throat> we had a, a rookie orientation, like the week after the draft or two weeks after the draft. So they had had a, the veteran allocation group. Maybe you were in that one that was in out here for one. No, because I was a
0: I was a free agent. Okay,
1: so then the rookies and free agents came in on a weekend, and I'll, I'll never forget this. We're we're I think I'm in a cab or maybe one of the drivers picked me up from the Seahawks, one of the ball boys or something. But we come the back way down Highway 99 going north and we kind of come over that rise where the yeah. city suddenly is it's, there. Yeah. And I just thought, what a beautiful place. I'd never been west of the Mississippi. Right. So um, I, you know, from back in the south. Um, and so to see this this gem of a city and uh, right on uh, Elliott Bay. And and then there in the foreground, as you start to get a little closer, is this mushroom that is the (laughs) The, kingdom. And I thought, what a beautiful place. I hope I can, you know, hang on for a couple of weeks because I had no idea. You know, at that time, even though you're a bonus pick in the second round, you know, there was nothing guaranteed with an expansion team. So I thought that that was really amazing, and then I remember us being out in the in the dome running the, those two days on that weekend. Then we went; I think we went out to Blake Island for a salmon feed or something on boats, yep. Yep. and you really got a sense for what the right. Northwest was like. And I thought this is this is really great. And then, then the other thing, when you mentioned fans, that I remember is what you talked about earlier, and that is we would park, we would just pull into the the parking lot there, just just to the south of the dome. And we'd pull in right next to where the fans were, literally with them. And so we'd get out of our cars and we'd all walk up to the, hey, I hope you guys have a great game. Well, thanks. You Cheer loud. We we hope to play well. And we'd walk in the gate there and just go in and play our game. Then you come out and there are all the fans there and you just kind of walk with everybody out to the car and in some cases – there were folks out there who had been tailgating, might have an extra beverage uh, <laughs> yes. still in the cooler, right. and thank you. Uh, Sam and I would not turn that down. No. Um, but th- the, those kinds of memories of, of really being a part of building something here in the community was something really special. Yeah, and
0: even though we did not know how uh, – we, we didn't have a history. Mm-hmm. We were creating our mm-hmm. own traditions, walking in and out with the fans. I don't think the fans – Knew uh, uh, what was really going on either. I mean, they were all new, and everybody was trying to get educated. And right. I think as the fans became more experienced, uh, they finally could say, "Ooh, I know what our expectations like." Right. And prices started going up, right. and uh, the expectation—you know—the fan became an intelligent fan yeah. here in Seattle. Right. They know, and that's why there's those. Uh, fan-oriented statistics up in the right. stadium exactly. today yeah. in Lumen Field because uh, the fans are totally integrated with what the Seahawks are doing. Mm-hmm. And and the Seahawks have done a wonderful job of creating that for the fan. And, yeah. and uh, you know, many things go along with that.
1: I, I will tell everybody that I remember not that they're, the fans' attitudes changed, but they suddenly got even more excited on a Sunday morning when we'd all pull into the parking lot together after Jim and Steve did their milk commercial, <laughs> the, the milk moustache, that commercial. And for those of you that are, you know, in your 50s, 60s, and a whole lot of you great-grandparents remember that commercial. They actually sang, and we were f- forever giving you guys a hard time about that. But uh, it was one of those things that kind of cemented us in the community that people thought, gosh, you guys are just, you know, you're really nice kids. You're just nice young men and we're glad that you're all here and i think i think that's one of the things that that fans will remember to this day those drink glasses that we got from mcdonald's that they had all our pictures on they had a set of four of them and to this day i'll get a shoebox sent to me well i used to get it at the station at cairo uh, uh, when i worked there and it'd be a shoebox and it'd be filled with paper and inside was one of those glasses and you and i and I think Sam were on one glass, right. and Steve and Sherman, Sherman and somebody else on yeah. another glass. Yeah. There were four of them, and right. uh, in a set. And somebody, the note with the box would be, uh, "Dear Steve, we were cleaning out Aunt Gladys's garage. She right. passed away last month at ninety-three, <laughs> and she had this glass. And we just thought you'd want it. Yeah. So I'd walk, I come home <clears throat> after work." And tell Sharon we hey, Sharon we got another glass we got to find another spot for it. So now I have this huge <laughs> set of these glasses with all our pictures on them. And by the way, we looked very good and oh, we yeah. were very. I young can imagine
0: people coming over to your house for dinner and, and, that's and we, of eight to ten people right. around the table, Would and they're you, all Steve Rabel glasses, white wine or red <laughs> in a
1: Steve in a Steve Rabel Jim Zorn <laughs> yeah. Sam McCullum glass. Oh, um, oh just. Just so much of that, so many of those those great, great times with the fans. And then after two years, when we started to kind of build the franchise around you and Steve and Smitty, and we started to get, you know, guys like Jacob coming in and some of those guys, some of the younger guys on defense, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Brown. Yeah, uh, Jeff.
0: Well, J- Dave Brown was there at the from start. the very cause, beginning. Because we got him in the expansion right. draft. Uh, but uh, I remember Jeff Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I even remember, were you there when Cortez
1: came in? Yes. No, not as or, a player. Okay. I was there, obviously. Okay. Yeah. But not as a player. But by 79, all of a sudden, it sort of all came together. And yeah. here we go. You know, that's when they moved to the 16 game schedule. And here we go, nine and seven. And surprised, I think, just about everybody except us, because we knew that yeah. we were a pretty good football team. And we had had now a couple of years to to figure this system out, and obviously you and, and Steve were on the same page, and we had a defense now that could go with it. And we had a couple of years there that were really fun. I think we missed the playoffs by a game or something in 79 yeah. Yeah. and uh, beat some pretty good teams. Yeah, we did. And and then uh, I had this conversation with, with Nick. We were talking about Nick Bebout. They decided to trade Nick to Atlanta or someplace back east in like 80 79 or 80. And that's when we kind of had a little setback because they were trying to integrate some young players on that offensive front. And a guy like Nick Bebout is tough to replace. Was he the best tackle that ever played? No, of course not. But was he a leader up front? Did guys rally around him? Yeah. Did he know what to do every time? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And And you know, nothing against the young guys and nothing against the guys that drafted him. But he was one of those players that was, I think that was one of those moves that was made. And, and then we had some injuries, too. I think Sherman got hurt in 1980 and everything kind of went backwards.
0: I'll never forget uh, Nick Bebout. Uh, we're in the huddle uh, in Philadelphia. I do you remember this? Yes, I do. Do you ever tell would, this story? I do. And I this, was in the huddle, too. I remember it. Uh, where, you know, it's it's a break. Uh-huh. We're in the huddle. Uh, and I remember they had a pretty good team, but they had this crowd that was just oh, crazy. Uh, Insane. You know, you know, bottle throwing oh, yeah. and, and orange throwing or whatever they were throwing. But Nick, uh, we're, we're, and the reason that we mention Nick is because we're in the huddle and there's a timeout, and all of a sudden he goes, ah! <laughs> and we go, what is wrong with you, Nick? <laughs> Settle down, and he goes, hey, he, he said, what? and he looks down, and he had been shot with a pellet rifle or a pellet gun. And he picks up the pellet. He goes, somebody just shot me. And he had a welt on the back of his leg or something like that, as I remember. Yep, yep. Do you remember yes. any different way? No, I remember we exactly were thinking, that. And oh, my gosh, what is going on around here? And th- that was from a long way because we were in the middle of the field. Yeah. You know, we were not – it wasn't like we were in the red zone or backed up or anything like that. We were kind of in the middle of the field. And he yells out, and he had been shot with a pellet. You,
1: you can't make this stuff up. I mean, <clears throat> today – the security to get into a stadium. I mean, you know, you can't take your purse. I've tried. You can't take your purse and you have to take a plastic bag, right? And it's gotta be clear. And it's gotta be clear. Right. In those days there was nothing. It just right. people rushed the gates, you had a ticket, you got in. Right. And somebody brought a pellet gun with him and shot Bebout in yeah, in I thought it was in his butt, but the back of his leg somewhere. Yeah. And I remember him kind of Yelling and jumping, and I thought the same thing. I said, "What? Yeah, are yeah. you all right? What's wrong?" <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it was a clear day, so he didn't get struck by lightning or anything. <laughs> but yeah, he got he got shot. Just some of the the crazy uh, things that would happen uh, either on the road. But but all that being said, we still found a way to win a lot of those games. You know, we remember I mentioned a minute ago we got beat in '81 by the Giants, thirty to nothing. Uh, the, that week that I returned from the injured reserve list. And I think the next week we went out and beat somebody because we were just so angry at Jack oh, yeah. that we went out and said, we better win this one because we can't go through this again.
0: Do you remember we played the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay?
1: I yes. I don't know if you remember Rookie this. season, 76, uh, in Milwaukee.
0: In Milwaukee. Yes. Okay. Both on we're the down, same side. We're down 28 nothing in the first quarter.
1: Well, I didn't remember that.
0: Okay. I, I try to block that out <laughs> of my mind as well. But the story that, that – I don't know if you remember this. They had a rule in the National Football League that if the fans, and this is a fan-related story, if you were loud, the quarterback could step back yep. from the center sure. and turn to Mr. <laughs> Official, and he, I had to have my arms up, and I, I knew the mechanics of it. I, The crowd would yell. Peep, the O-line uh, could not hear the crowd. So there, were no, there was no silent count. Right. So I would step back. Turn to Mr. Official, and he, he did one of two things. He would either say, you know, you're wrong. Get back underneath there. Uh, your time's still running. He would point at me, or he would blow the whistle, stop the game, and then the announcer at some point would say, would everybody please uh, be quiet?
1: Craziest rule well, on the planet.
0: Jack Patera and Howard Mudd told me, don't you ever? Don't you snap the ball? Don't you snap the ball? If if the crowd noise, so I had this. So I've got Jack, and you know he can bring the fear of God <laughs> yes, <laughs> towards he can. you. And and Howard was no joke either. Howard was really quick, and he. So I step back one time. We're we're losing, but I'm, I step back. It's in the middle of the game now, in the second half, and. I turn to Mister Official with my hands up. He stops the, and you know what that does? That incites oh, the crowd. Oh, sure. All so gonna do is get they louder. got just really loud. Sure. And so, I I kid you not. And you're right. This rule was not going to be for very long mm. because I stood there for 20 minutes. No. We stopped the game for really? 20 minutes. Oh, I yeah. I don't remember. And that. Howard's still mad about it because <laughs> after a, you know after so long. Uh, I, uh the official probably three times said, would you please snap the ball? Can we get this thing going? You know, if you snap the ball, they'll quiet down. So he talked me into getting the ball snapped. So I went up there. I said, uh, you know, we're in the huddle. And I said, guys, I'm going to get it snapped this time regardless. Uh, and so we get up there, we snap, and you would have thought that I had done the Worst thing I could have ever done in a football game. When I came off to the sideline, Howard was all over me. Why did you, why did you snap the ball? And what they were trying to do was prove the point that this rule was not going to work in the National Football League. But we had stopped the television game. Can you wow. imagine that now, Steve? Oh, my gosh. We had stopped the television game for 20 minutes with me just backing up.
1: All I remembered about that game, the Packers game, was Donnie Dufek blocking a punt, and I picked it up and ran for a touchdown. That's what I remember about well, that game. Give me some. How about them apples? Oh, yeah. Huh, Way to go, man. Yeah. Uh, right place I did right not time. remember that. Yeah. You remembered, Stan. And I don't remember the, the thing that lasted 20 minutes. Yeah. But uh, I do remember, after I retired, we're playing the Raiders in the Kingdome, and the quarterback for the Raiders was a kid that played at the University of Washington. I can't remember his name. He was a tall – or BYU maybe. Not Billy Joe. No, 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 uh, BYU, tall, skinny kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Mark Mark something maybe. Yeah. uh, 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 But the rule was the same. If it gets too loud, and so he kept turning around to the official – and wanting to, you know, and they were gonna call. They got to the point where they say, "We're gonna call a penalty, a fifteen-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on the, on the fans." Right? Can you imagine that today? Yeah. I mean, no. in Philadelphia, if that no. happened, they'd burn the building down for right. crying out loud. Right. Um, and the Seahawks fans would be none too happy about it either. Uh, so, yeah, it took a while for the league to kind of figure that that was pretty dumb. Let's just get them out there. Go ahead and play. If it's loud, it's loud. We didn't have shotgun. You didn't run a shotgun in those days.
0: Well, later on, we did. later, but but not. not yeah, you
1: know, we were underneath the center yeah. because of the sprint draw series, yes. basically. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, it was just it was just nuts the way all that stuff worked out. Let me uh, let me look at our list here. There's a couple of other things that I know we wanted to to talk about uh, because then the next time we do this, hopefully we'll get a guest that you know of our ilk. And are we going to have? Are we going to we're going to have guests? Oh, nice. this would be sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whether they come in here and sit with us, or we'll get them on the phone and we can chat with them. You know, and Steve,
0: hopefully we, you won't have to beg fans to no. Uh, listen, uh, you, once listen they hear up.
1: this, we're never going to have to beg fans. They're going to demand <laughs> that we're at. They're going to try to get us to do five days a week. I just can't. I've retired from five days a week work. Um, it's one of the one of the one of the topics here was the Zorn to Rabel connection. Well, let me tell you, it wasn't all that much of a connection, but. I'm going to tell it because you're proud to say it, and I'm doubly proud, that the best corner route you ever threw was in a game in Oakland against the Raiders against a team that ended up going to the Super Bowl that we beat twice that season with Kenny Stabler and all those guys. Uh, We beat them down there, and you threw an absolutely perfect pass that I caught for a a touchdown, and uh, and it was one of the great – when you, again as i said if you if you can remember all your highlights you didn't have enough of them but that was a real highlight
0: right jerry had taught uh taught me uh you're you're not really ever throwing to spots so you're really throwing to the receiver so don't throw to a spot you're throwing throw to the receiver but you have to take your arm and throw the ball where the receiver where you know it's going to intersect right. at chest high going away and i still remember it was it was a corner route, and you ran it on the right side, mm-hmm. and you ended up in the corner of the end zone in the right, mm-hmm. and with your arms out and full speed, or whatever. Uh, and it truly was the best corner route I ever threw. It was, uh, it was an absolutely it was great perfect for a pass. Touchdown.
1: And uh, it was also the game that I got knocked unconscious uh, by Jack Tatum <laughs> oh. later in the game. Oh, really? I, I didn't know how the game finished. You know, the <clears throat> game ended with Efren kicking yeah, a field we, goal we in had the a last. 10 seconds well, we had a
0: last-chance drive, yeah, and I still remember being mad because we didn't, we didn't get the, this first down that we needed, and all of a sudden, I see Efren coming in, and I'm looking around, and gosh, we were in field goal range. I had no idea because I wanted <laughs> to go in and score, sure. and so uh, here comes Efren, and he kicks it, and uh, it ruined the Raiders' oh, day with no time left yeah. on the clock, and... He he got it through.
1: It was it was that drive that I got knocked out, literally knocked unconscious. Uh. I did a speaking engagement here about three months ago for a group of young sportscasters, young people wanting to get into the business, and so they mentioned said, "What was the hardest hit you ever got?" And I said, "Well, I got my lung collapsed. That was bad. I got my bell rung a bunch." But I said, "Jack Tatum hit me as I, I ran a crossing route." Uh, I said, "And the ball was just a little bit back, and maybe Gosh. I know just a little bit back here." <laughs> So, and, and, and I kind of did this, and then Tatum came through with, with a forearm the and hit me right square in the side of the face and the head, and boom. Uh, the next thing I know, I'm on the sidelines. The next thing I know, I'm standing there with a towel over my head. I don't know what's going on. And, and we go to the locker room, and everybody's celebrating. So I thought, oh, this is great. Uh, uh, fact, uh, point of fact, uh, the, the next day, I had to go to a dinner party, I spent the night in the hospital when we got back to Seattle yeah. uh, with things on my head, you know, for a concussion. Sure. Got out the next day. i had a concussion. Uh, went to this dinner party because I had promised these people I'd be there. There was only one other single person there. It was Sharon, my wife, of now 42 years. So just think, had I not made that dinner party, you know, um, I, I, who knows what would have happened to my, my miserable wow. life. Anyway, um, so I, I I get knocked out. I go to this, this uh, sportscaster's thing. And I mentioned this story and uh, some kid, some kid sitting out there with an iPad, he's doing this and I'm not paying any attention. And the guy who is moderating the thing says, hey, Steve, uh, do you want to see that play? And I said, what play? He said, the play where Tatum knocked you out. And I said, well, that's I said that was like on game film. I said, I haven't seen that in 46 years, probably 45 years. He said he just found it. I said, "Are you kidding me?" So I saw it for the first time in 45 years, three weeks ago.
0: Would it have been illegal?
1: Uh, oh my God, he, they, he'd have been arrested. <laughs> he should have been arrested anyway, because right. he, you know, he he paralyzed Daryl Stingley with a, a hit well, like that. Yeah. But that's who these guys were. That's who he was, especially. Yeah. Uh, and he, yeah, I was still kind of turned around, and one guy spun me around as I was trying to make the catch, and he just came through with a forearm. Mm. And, and what I didn't remember was I went down, and I started to get up, and then I went down to one knee, and then I f- just fell over on my back. And John Brody, you remember John? Yeah. Great guy, great quarterback, and a really good broadcaster. Yes, he was. was. doing the game that day. And he was saying he tried to describe. They showed the replay of it and slowed it down and showed Tatum <laughs> just drilling me. And he was saying something to the effect that, oh, boy, you got, when you go in there, buddy, you got to be ready. <laughs> And uh, get gets yeah. tough. Tough gets going in there, and just let it be quiet. And I'm lying on the ground. The trainers kneeling over me, but we won that game, and that yeah. was so cool yeah. to go down there and beat the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, so. Well,
0: uh, I I don't remember you getting knocked out in that. You know, it, isn't that funny how we all have different flashes? Sure. Of I can remember throws. I can remember plays. But those guys, you remember different situations, and they. Sp- they spur those uh, thoughts sure. in my mind yeah. about uh, different things that uh, you know. Quite frankly, you, you shove you shove down there. I I have always admired you though because you were the uh, in the first year or maybe it was the second year. I always remember Steve Rabel having a Jensen Healy. Oh yeah, baby! And I don't even know what year it was, but I'd never heard of Jensen Healy. I've heard of Austin, Austin Healy. Healy, but what was this? So I thought. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, something that he could afford. But it look it was really a slick car. And I remember you—you you were the consummate bachelor because <laughs> you had a red, bright red, and it was that orangey red, beautiful. And you had waxed it a bunch, and it had a brown saddle interior with yeah. a brown saddle. Man, you remember uh, soft all this top. stuff. Yeah, and I thought. Man, Raves is an NFL player and he's on my team.
1: And, and, and he drives and, a Jensen Healy. And Jim had a yellow Beetle, Volkswagen Beetle, that you kept for years. I probably had a better wax job on my yeah, Volkswagen well, than yeah, you had on your Jensen Healy. You had Jensen to. Yeah, I had to. Uh, <laughs> the, the Jensen I bought in 76. Uh, I they didn't, didn't buy anything else. Uh, I rented some furniture, I rented a, a little one bedroom apartment. But with part of my bonus money that I got, which wasn't much for us in those days. You got a bonus? Uh, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. You could call it that. Uh, it'd be couch wow. money right now and for players today. Did you get today. it in Seattle? I bought it in Seattle. And the guy mm. who sold it to me ended up becoming a lifelong friend. He passed away a couple of years ago. Wonderful man. But I'll never forget that car. I had it for... 30 plus years. I took it to Arizona. We yeah. had a condo down in Arizona, yeah. so I left it down there for a long time. Finally, I just thought, let somebody else use it. I sold it to a guy who now puts it in car shows down in Arizona. And, it was and in he, great shape. Oh, it's a, you, you I, kept I took care it of so it. Nice. It was a beautiful car. The, going back to the uh, Oakland story. So I get out of the hospital. I go to that dinner party I told you about yeah. you for a the... friend and park the car in the driveway. Sharon pulls up afterwards and she saw the red car, so she knew I was there. She she thought two things. First, I don't want to meet a football player. That's the last thing I want to do. But secondly, he looks like he might have pretty good taste if he's got a sports car, the British sports car like that.
0: Was he? Was she stalking you? Uh,
1: no, she drove around the block and almost left, <laughs> and then finally she came back in and we met and we started dating and we got married and that's that's the end of that story. And I'm getting the wind up from from uh, NASA because uh, we're, we've taken way too much of people's time. But here's the deal. We're, you and I are going to do this again on a semi regular basis because we've got more stuff we can talk about, right? Yeah. We've got pl- teammates if, that we can talk if, about. Yeah, if this is all
0: we do, uh, we might as well just be at a cafe somewhere. That's right. Uh, doing a meal. But we hope to
1: right. bring, bring in differently. the guys. We've got. You know, just the guys that we played with, the, the, the Largen's, the McCullum's, the Sherman Smith's, who's back in Nashville these days now, back there retired. There's just so many of those We guys. should have Nick Bebout on just because we, we, we talked will about get him so Nick much. We will get Nick Bebout on. He is Artie Kuhn, your center. Yeah, your roommate. So many of these guys. Sam Adkins. Oh, my oh. gosh. We'll we'll never get through an hour. <laughs> no, no. If the three of us, because Sam is here. He's in town, right. so he can come in and sit down with us. Right. Um, we'll never get through it. It's, it's just brutal. Um, we want to, though, thank all of you folks out there. If you stuck with us for this hour, uh, first of all, God bless you, because I don't know if I could, uh, <laughs> but, but we enjoyed it. NASA, NASA Chobie, our producer, uh, director, and all things broadcast here in, uh, with the Seahawks. Thank you uh, for what you did. And I think both of us would say thanks to an organization that has let us be a part of this now for almost 50 years. This, is, this has been a great ride, and part of it, In fact, for me, the largest part was the friendships that we made a half a century ago that we still have and that mean so much.
0: Well, it means a lot to me that you and I are still in contact, uh, even beyond you being on the radio or me uh, still being in Seattle. I mean, we uh, it's been really fun to know you for all these years. And also, uh, it's fun. And I want to learn more about, you know, how you were how you came in. I want to know. How you were a tight end in in at Georgia Tech and got to be a receiver for the Seahawks? What?
1: Yes, I know. Kind and, of a scary story. Yeah, I know.
0: and and you had some. Uh, I want you to describe your tuxedo that you had when you did all night marath- you know, <laughs> marathon telethons that you asked me to come to yes? at two in the morning. Yes. Hey, can you come at two? There's a
1: slot open at two. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about all that stuff, shall <laughs> okay. we? Uh, and, and mostly, uh, if you have enjoyed this podcast, um, do, you know, send us a, a note. We got a way to do that, don't we, NASA? There's a way for people to respond. And if you have a question, send in your question. Because after a while, I mean, NASA's as smart as anybody I've ever met. But he's going to run out of stuff for us to talk about. And so are we because we're both old. So uh, if you have a question or two, send it in. And uh, we'd be happy to, to address that if it's a situation, a game, a player. Uh, But just know that uh, it's been uh, terrific uh, over all these years and still for both of us getting to be a part of this organization is something that's uh, one that never forgets. Jim, uh, I will see you next time. Thank you for doing this. Sounds Uh, great. Thank Thank all you you folks out there. And uh, we will join you again next time. On, uh, are we, what are we, kind of the Legends podcast? Is that what we can uh, oh, be? Yeah, we'll
0: have to come up with some super okay. slick name. Uh, and I'll remind you not to tell the same stories that you please. just told this time. And you please. remind me. Okay. Because that could get really bad.
1: It be a, That's a very they're real possibility. It. They're losing it, time. On the air, <laughs> they're losing it. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.